Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And he hits that one deep. That one's going to fly out of here. Castellanos with all kind of swagger out of the box. Pops a two-run home run in his second consecutive at-bat. Five to nothing Cubs. And this one getting away from Chase Anderson quickly. Yeah, he's pumped up, isn't he? Arms flailing away as he ran down to first base. Honestly, I didn't see it. I was, you know, focused on, you know, like, he hit another homer. I was obviously wasn't looking at him. Um, I mean, hitters are going to do what they're going to do. Um, you, you make better pitches than you get them out. They don't do that stuff. So uh, for me to um, say anything about it, I didn't see it. I mean, and guys are going to do what they're going to do. So, um, like I said, he's a good hitter. Hit two homers off me. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna celebrate a little bit. And if I can actually get those guys out, they're not going to do that anymore. So, uh, that's just how, how it goes. Highlights courtesy of Fox Sports Milwaukee and then Chase Anderson after that. It's a loss for the Brewers yesterday. And as I'm doing the math here, Bruce, it looks like 10 losses in their last 16 games for the Milwaukee Brewers. As we bring in our friend from Milwaukee, Tim Allen, who does the post games for the Milwaukee Brewers and is an iconic baseball guy up in that area. Tim, nice enough to join us today on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Morning, boys. I've been better, and you yeah. had to play that highlight for yeah, me, didn't you? It was a little light. From a, from a perspective of a professional in the business who covers the Brewers and as a lifelong Brewer fan, how do you take a, a slam dunk of the bat by Castellanos and how do you think the, the team itself deals with something like that? You know, we dealt with this, Bruce, years ago on the post-game show. And I, I'll take you back to, I believe it was 2007 July. And it was a big, big game between the Brewers and the Cubs. And Aramis Ramirez walked off. And he was doing his, his jump step and doing his celebrating. You know, and I, and I had a tipping point uh, in, in the way I viewed it a little bit. And, yeah, you hate losing to the Cubs up, up in these parts. But, you know, he, he's, he's not downing the Brewers. He's celebrating his own success. And, and we've gone around the block with the Bryce Harper conversations and things like that. I tend to, as an old schooler, I tend to start to gravitate toward accepting it a little bit in that, it's not necessarily a knock on the pitcher or the other team. It's just celebrating their success. And, and that was the tipping point for me. So Chase is right right there. When, and he's a stand-up dude. Yeah. Um, he, he's right. You make better pitches, you keep them from celebrating. And good for you, Tim, because guess what? This is the way that a lot of kids, young guys, like to play, and they don't mind when each other up on the opposition plays that way. And MLB has a whole marketing campaign. They've officially said it's okay. Let the kids play. So it's <laughs> it, it, we kind of we have no choice, I think, but to uh, to come around to the way you got the world. a choice if you're the next guy and you get a neck ball. Well, you know, <laughs> it, 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 if you, if you get one or if you throw one, I, I think you look silly when you 
do that well, kind of Well, Euchre stuff. was talking about it the other day. That wouldn't fly. It, it wouldn't fly back in his day and, and back in the day, if you will. <laughs> uh, you know, someone would be getting a third rib down. Uh, yeah. This um, it feels like a really disappointing moment for Brewers fans. Um, and I'm wondering if you're hearing that and getting that when, when you do the post and when you talk to your people because – Boy, this coming off of last year, I thought this was uh, this was going to be a year where they could really, you know, stomp on the neck of the division at least a little bit, and yet they've been mediocre at times. I'll give you a musical interlude here. Uh, over the years, we we kind of grab a a uh, theme song of the year, and and the beat goes on back in 2017, and then last year it was loving the crew and. Yesterday, I grabbed my guitar, and uh, on the air, I played a couple of uh, short little snippets. One was Slip Sliding Away, and the other was Free Falling from Tom Petty, because that's what it feels like right now. There is, oh, no question, a tipping point right now, and, and you, you bring the season down to a, a few games, and, and really, they, they made that bet. And, and it, does, it does feel like a buzzkill. Coming off of last year, guys, it, it does. There was expectations that were a lot higher, obviously, than where they're at now, getting to Game 7 in the NLCS, the doorstep, and a lead in Game 7 after an innings worth of work. You're eight innings away from the World Series, and, and it all started with a little avalanche of a number of things that went wrong this year. Tim Allen joining us, uh, Milwaukee icon, does the post game and has been a baseball man in the Milwaukee area forever joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Tim, uh, how much of the uh, swagger that was there last year that's not this year has to do with the year that Lorenzo Cain is having? Yeah, 395 on base percentage last year and and really setting the table for this offense. And, you know, now his, his, uh, his OBP is somewhere around 315, 320, and that, that is a big hit, and they've been scuffling with that a little bit. He's been crashing into walls. He's been in, hitting into some hard luck. A really, really down season uh, in terms of Lorenzo Cain for what he did last year, and, and it's tough because, you know, now you're going to have to fill the void there, and they tried Trent Grisham, a, a rookie that they called up about a month ago, and you know that started out well, and then it uh, it's it's not ending well for his uh, first little taste in the bigs. And I wonder if maybe Counts would throw, especially in in Wrigley, uh, a Ryan Braun. I mean, your guy Madden there, he's not opposed to throwing anybody in that leadoff spot. And at this time, I wouldn't rule out anything, but. Lorenzo Cain, it's just a rough, rough year for him. Yeah, the more they near their destination, the more the Brewers seem to be slip-sliding away there, Tim. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's odd to see Council keep throwing Lorenzo Cain out there because he's so aggressive and innovative with the pitching staff. Um, and, and on that note, what's up with Josh Hader? How has Josh Hader come back to the pack as just another guy who can get beat every once in a while? Yeah, and I think they threw him in, Matt. Uh, into that closer role when Corey Knable went down. And, and that changed the landscape in that bullpen. You wanted to have Josh Hader impact as many games as you can at the right moments. And, and you recall last year that, heck, you'd see Josh in anywhere between the fifth and the ninth. And, and it would just, if, you, if Counts felt the game tipping, he would go to Josh Hader right there. If you're tied, if you're up one, even if you're down one, this year, a little different. Corey Knable. 
first mistake for David Stearns, not fixing the closer role. And there was a lot of conversation about bringing in Kimbrell and, and then moving Josh Hader back into that. You know, Andrew Miller had, yep. had uh, the cutting edge on that a few years ago. And, and that, that really, you can't get to Josh Hader with this team. The offense has been struggling. Starting pitchers have, for the most part, done their job, but you see the difference in the handling of that pitching staff. Yesterday, Quintana and Madden, I'm going to throw them out there for the six. Big deal. We, we, we want to chew up some innings there. Heck, this year with Craig Council, it's Chase Anderson or Zach Davies going five innings of one or two run ball. And because the Brewers are down a little bit, you got to go to the pen and hold it right there. And, and it's just a, a snowballing effect from Corey Knabel. Last thing, uh, Tim, I, I've been waiting for this team, the Brewers, to add that big money starter to kind of put them over the, the hump over the past two or three years, and it just doesn't seem to happen. Maybe it's never going to happen. Uh, money does play play a part in this, and, and, and that's not an excuse. That's just the reality of it, and they're not in business to lose money. So I, I understand that, but I asked Craig Council uh, in spring training here a few months ago about, you know, the, the handling of your starters. Is it because that's your, your philosophy? Is that your style that you want to get the, this, these magical – uh, 17 outs and, and get yourself out of the game before the third time through the lineup. And the analytics say the third time through the lineup is where you get you, get your butt hurt. And and he had said, is it is it because of that philosophy or is it because of the personnel that you've got that you have to do it this way because mm-hmm. of the talent? And he said it's always about the talent. I wonder, you know, you get a guy like Brandon Woodruff uh, who who is a stud and and he's on the uh, IL right now. I wonder if he would do that to, to Brandon Woodruff and then a, a, a high-buck veteran. Um, try taking a, out Max Scherzer or Verlander after five and a third, a two-run ball. That's, that's not going to fly uh, for some of these players. But Council, it's just the way they do it. They're analytic-driven. Tim, we appreciate your time today. Keep up the great work uh, up in Milwaukee. You, you added a lot to our show today. We appreciate it. See you at the ballparks. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Right. Thanks, Tim. Tim Allen of the Brewers post game show also does a great job in Milwaukee uh, on the air. He's been there forever. And uh, again, uh, as much of a disappointment as the Washington Nationals and Cubs were for many parts of this year, I think the Brewers are the most disappointing team in baseball this year from what they did last year. And again, I give Council and everybody there a tremendous amount of credit. The fan base is fantastic there. They come out three million strong. It's one of the great baseball cities in America, especially for its size. But um, as you said, Matt, and you said it well, they never addressed the need for good starting pitching. And the idea that you can get by with just bullpens winning all the time is just it's it's just not realistic. Well, and if that's the way that you're going to do it, then go ahead and load up on your bullpen. When their closer well, went down, they just moved Josh well, Hader. I think that's been disastrous. And they took two bullpen guys and tried to make them starters. Yes. With Woodruff, it worked out very well. He's been their best starter. Well, Woodruff was a starter all along. Where they used in the pen, and then they moved back. He's been terrific, yeah. but then he got hurt. Corbin Burns got hurt. They had a bunch yeah, of guys. But Burns who wasn't got really hurt. getting the job done. No. Uh, so... So, you know, it's switching it, and, you know, again, even though they draw 3 million people, uh, their TV market doesn't bring anywhere near the money that the big markets like Chicago bring. So there is a budget difference there. But, 
again, addressing starting pitching, if you want to play with the big boys, and Milwaukee's going to have to do that in the next couple of years. Uh, we can talk both sides of town as we do here on Inside the Clubhouse. John Lester coming up a little bit later on right here on 670 The Score. Um, Bruce, I've reached the exhaustion point on Luis Robert because I think he's just so ready for the next level. And he's a 30-30 guy in the minors, the first one since Jock Peterson. In 2014, before that, it hadn't been done since 1934. You know why? Because when guys are that good, they usually get called up to the big See, leagues. See, I, I love I love your enthusiasm as a talk show host, an expert, and also a fan because you mix the three and you do it very well because that's who we talk to every day. That's who we have to relate to. It's real. But in the case of Robert, it's been explained to me that the Chicago White Sox, from Jerry Reinsdorf down, believe that they're only gatekeepers for the Chicago White Sox. That they one owns it, a couple of them general manage it. But in reality, if they don't keep that seventh year for a guy like Luis Robert, they're not representing the Chicago White Sox or their fans in the way they should by guaranteeing that extra year of, of uh, control over what may be an all-star player for the next six or seven years. So when you see what they did with Chris Bryant, how that impacted that relationship, which I don't think has ever recovered from it, and then you see how they cut the baby in half with Jimenez by going to send him to the minor leagues and then signing him to a long-term contract mm-hmm. and saying, never mind. So you could just start the year with So him. again, I, I, you know, I understand all that. And if I'm a White Sox fan, I want this guy up there because I want him – joining those other young players and establishing himself as a teammate and getting to know the league for the last month of the season. They want that. I, I think the White Sox want it too. Uh, Jose Abreu said the 2020 season starts now in right. September. Because he wants that. They all want to be together and bond together and build towards next year for realistic intention. I hear what you're saying, but listen to what you just said about Bryant too. Is that relationship has, was damaged that by that? Did stop him from being a great player? No. No, it, Has it he didn't. played any less? But look at what the White Sox have done with all of their guys. Going back to Quintana and Sale, they buy out those years of control with a an extension that makes sense for both sides. And right. they've done that with so many guys. I think they'll do that with Robert as I, well. I, th- I think you're right. And I think we'll hear it maybe like we did with Jimenez in spring training, that they come up with a long-term deal that satisfies uh, the player. Uh, again, this is a it's a little different because... This player got a lot of money to sign, okay? He already made a ton of money, you know, as far as uh, being uh, a free agent from another country. Yes. Uh, Jimenez didn't, didn't quite get there when he signed with the Cubs. Uh, his, his bonus was a lot less than this. So from, the, from this, the aspect of a Cuban player, Dominican player, how they're paid differently, one's a free agent, one is, you know, subject to different kind of rules. Uh, it, it was, it's a little different, but the reality is, is that, Holding on to Robert and then what you said, signing him to a long-term deal, that solves everything. I mean, people will, you know, people were upset in 2014 when the Cubs didn't bring up Bryant the last, you know, month of the season. But, you know, from the player development part, it all worked out great. And and Jimenez is not a finished product. Remember how people were saying you got to bring him up last September. 
It's not a finished product. He's no, still clearly. learning how to play the outfield, and it, it learning, was learning how to run bases. Interesting news day the other day when Frank Thomas broke news of sorts on NBC Sports Chicago saying he talked to Rick Hahn and it didn't look like they were going to bring him up. But then Rick Hahn refuted that after the game. And then NBC Sports Chicago pulled the clip from their Twitter feed. So and, and then what it came the way that the White Sox are saying it now is that they still haven't made their decision. That, that's what they, where they are publicly you know, is that it, they still haven't made. Number one, they don't want to impact the player going into the playoffs, telling him that he's not coming to the major leagues. That's bad. Telling the fan base uh, that they're not bringing him up. That's unnecessary at this point. Uh, telling the guys on the team they're not bringing him up. Unnecessary. So I understand the angst. Uh, I would I would love to hear someone just say, you know, it's our responsibility to control that seventh year because uh, ultimately we have to protect the White Sox and their fans and keep these great players here that extra year. Be refreshing to hear, but nonetheless, I understand when they don't, because they don't want to take that carrot away from the player and the team of, hey, oh, well, I did everything I should have. I'm one of the best players in the minor leagues. I put up epic numbers here, and I'm not being promoted. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can dial it up and talk baseball on both sides of town right here on Inside the Clubhouse. He is Bruce Levine. Uh, Rosters expanding tomorrow for both teams, for everybody around baseball. And uh, John Lester will be part of this show before we get out of here, before Bruce gets out of here at the top of the hour. You you must stay. I will. You must stay. I am fortunate enough to stay. Rosie is going to... uh, take you on a, to some places you've never been before <laughs> and maybe flavor town where are we going I, I don't know but he he's always prepared to do something different with you oh oh god that that sounds kind of horrifying actually yes it does he's bruce uh i'm at it's inside the clubhouse dial it up and get involved on inside the clubhouse on 670 the score worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Texts coming in at 67011. The Brewers never had much of a chance this season, says a texter, huh? Lost Miley. The opening day starter was way better last year. Uh, the Brewers' rotation's a train wreck. Cubs should be 8-12 and 12 games ahead in the division for their talent. Should still win, but the fact that the Cardinals are still in the race is hard to understand, especially with Carpenter's contribution right. this year. Let me tell you a little bit about the Cardinals in the month of August, shall we? Overall, the pitching staff has a 3.20 ERA, second behind the Dodgers. You mentioned on the year and in the month, they have the fewest blown saves in the National League. The pitching overall, a 646 OPS against this month of August. Offensively, they're scoring more than five runs a game in August. They don't have the big stars and the big names. Even Paul Goldschmidt has had a down year. Carpenter has been brutal. Marcelo Zuna, just okay. 
Um, but Molina coming on a little bit, but not what he once was. But they are just deep. They've got a yeah. lot of people. Colton Wong might be their best player well, this pitch, year. Pitching's where it's at, and uh, you know they have the young pitchers. Uh, you know, with uh, Flaherty, Flaherty's been great. You know, and the the idea Dakota, Dakota to, Hudson. Um, so you know that's where it's at. So uh, they've been saying all along in this division since everybody's just been hanging around. Team that gets hot, you know, if you get hot for two or three weeks, you, you, you're going to win the division. And the Cubs have seven games left with the Cardinals. In the last ten days. Seven in the last ten days. They still have six with the Brewers. So don't, you know, don't totally bury the Brewers yet. Uh, the Brewers probably have to win uh, five out of six of these games here just to stay afloat against the uh, Cubs. And they, ha- I think they still have six left with the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. that's their season. But... Nonetheless, they have been a battle-tested team over the last couple of years with the, you know the playoff runs that they've had. Regardless of all of that, um, you know everything's right there for the Cubs to handle them themselves. Seven games left with the Cardinals, six left with the Brewers. They continue to play with their energy and the pitching they have. They should be all right. I mean, they're on a pace to win eighty-six games. Uh, the Cardinals are on pace to win eighty-seven or eighty-eight. You know, it, it does. It's just a number that we throw out there based on where they're at right now. But uh, you know, if, if any of these teams get hot, you know, you might have uh, somebody walk away with it the last week or ten days. It's likely that wild card and division might come down to those last seven out of ten games. Yeah, it could be a crazy, weird, frenetic race to the finish, just like last year. For the Cardinals, doubleheader today because of rain, doubleheader tomorrow because of rain, and then a day game on Monday in St. Louis. They're going to have five different games over the course of 51, 52 hours, something like that. So things could get very, very screwy in a division where they're only up by a game right now. Yeah, I mean, it it could be pivotal, and it could be what everybody's been doing all along. You win one, you lose one. You win one, one, you lose one. You know, Mm -hmm. back to that. I mean, the, the Cardinals, again, this division's all been about who gets hot. The Cubs have been a hot team. You take away the sweep from last weekend, they've been very hot. They're at the high water mark of their season right now, 12 games over 500. Um, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's the best point that they've gotten to so far. They'll get Contreras back. They have Zobris coming back. We don't know necessarily what that means other than having a presence of a winner like Ben Zobris can can not help but be a positive for you as he's uh, there and it prime example on and off the field, regardless of what he's bringing to you on the field. It'd be interesting to see where he plays. I, I think if he's in the lineup, he's probably going to be hitting leadoff. You wrote about it at 670thescore.com. I think so, but you know, Joe has said that uh, you know initially there's no back-to-back games that he's going to play him in. But, but when he's there... You think he plays left field instead of short? I, I think he, he plays, plays second. second. I think he plays second. Plays second, gets replaced right. for defense but later the thing, in the game. The thing that, uh, you know, Russell has had a nice resurgence here over the last week. And the, the reality for a young player that's 25 years old who's never been a bench player, he needs to play every day. I want him to be the second baseman every day of the rest of the year. Defensively, offensively for what he's bringing, head seems to be clearly straight on his shoulders right now. That said, uh, you know, Zobra's best position at this point would probably be second base. Hmm. 
Bottom of the hour brought to you by the Chicago's. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit chicagowolves.com. This hmm. is, hmm. Hmm. hmm, he said, hmm, thoughtfully. This is <laughs> Carl on the north side on 670 The Score. What's up, Carl? Yes, uh, Bruce. Uh, what I wanted to talk about is Luis Roberts and uh, uh, Nick Mandrell and maybe a few other minor leaguers on the Chicago White Sox. I think that these young guys should should uh, play the playoff games with Charlotte and play together as a unit in the month of September and bring them bring them up in spring training. I think next year spring training for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, these guys will come in there. They'll have a month or so or six weeks or so to be around uh, uh, veteran players and ease into it. You know, we have too much of an investment in it, and we're not going anywhere this year. So I think let them play with Charlotte, let them rest over the winter and go to spring training and definitely sign Jose Abreu, get ourselves a right fielder and a starting pitcher, and I think this team can be a contender next year because the key players this year that we wanted to see play good did a good job. So I'm excited about the White Sox future, Bruce. And you know what? Uh, I Honestly, I couldn't have said it um, from my viewpoint any better than that. I mean, I'm maybe not quite as optimistic that it means that they're automatically competitive because of uh, the linear aspect of it. But nonetheless, the right guys have been – big parts of their winning this year. Mancata, Jimenez, Anderson. When Anderson was out of the lineup, we saw uh, you know, a lack of, a little lack of energy and production that wasn't there before. We mm-hmm. saw the impact he has. We've seen what Giolito's been as a White Sox player and as a force in the league. We've seen Lopez straighten it out in the second half. So there's a lot of positive signs. They still need players. They still need more players. They're going to have to convince a veteran pitcher to take their money. Will they have enough money or will they be willing to spend money on coal to the tune of five times 30 or something in that area? As we look beyond coal and we might need to, if you're the White Sox, Dallas Keuchel out there. And here's an, I'll give you a name to think about Wade Miley, the former Astro or former Miley. brewer who's an Astro this year, been real, real good and will be out there and available and maybe third name on that starting pitcher list, but very, very solid. Could be very very useful I, for them. I I agree with you. I mean, but but again, um, developing their own, continuing to uh, be able to trade, or you know, w- will the White Sox have enough going for them now that they can start trading younger players for veterans? Let's go out to Wrigley Field right now, Bruce Levine. We bring in the veteran star pitcher of the Chicago Cubs, John Lester. Nice enough to take some time out on a busy Saturday morning to talk to us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, John. How are you? Good, Bruce. What's going on? Let's talk about let's talk about impact of a teammate coming back tomorrow in Ben Zobris. I know you guys haven't talked to him, been around him for four months, but just the persona of Ben Zobris joining the team, what what does that mean to you uh, as we move forward here the last month? Uh, well, I mean, I think anytime you can add a guy that's, you know, that's done it, that's, that's won, um, has that experience, um, been down the stretch and, and, and all that stuff, I think anytime you add a guy like that, that you can obviously boost your clubhouse. Um, you know he's done it twice. He's been there. Um, you know, and, and for the guys that that haven't really been around it uh, and and gone down that stretch, I mean, anytime you add another guy like that, like I just like I just said, it, it obviously 
helps those guys and helps us in the clubhouse going forward. Hey, John, you said two starts ago after the uh, the outing against the Pirates that one of the big things that helped you was you realized, all right, I got to stop throwing the fastball in certain counts. Um, and then there was a down start and then just absolutely terrific the other night against the Mets. Uh, did did those two starts correlate? Was there anything with the fastball that, that you did against the Mets that you also did against Pittsburgh? Yeah, I was just able to move it around a little bit better in those two starts than I was against against the Nationals. Um, <clears throat> you know, I felt like when I did make some good pitches, and they're and they're such a good team, they're such a solid hitting team from from top to bottom. As I think we all saw, um, you know, last weekend. And it, it, when you do make mistakes, you know, they're going to hit it, whether it be a single or or for damage. So I, I really tried to focus against the Mets, another you know, solid team from top to bottom in the offensive. Uh, side of the ball and and you know obviously going up against Degrom, I knew I couldn't make um, mistakes, many mistakes, and uh, just tried to really be precise with my heater. If I missed, I missed in or off. Um, you know, kind of more or less, just trying to tease them with the fastball and then and then go back to the off-speed stuff. And, and fortunately that night I had you know pretty good changeup, pretty good command of my changeup, which helped. So we were able to you know kind of tease them with that fastball in to the righties and then kind of go back down and away with that changeup and, and get some weak fly balls. I don't think, I think I had one ground ball the whole night or two ground balls the whole night. So we were able to use the park and, and uh, you know, our, our defense in the outfield that night and, and have those guys run, run some fly balls down. John, does it ever feel to you or, you know, in your conversations with your teammates that you're, com- you're still competing against the 2016 Chicago Cub team? And does that mentality permeate in the questions you get from us in the media or for the reactions from fan base or, or does is that all blocked out to the point where the concentration can be just about this year uh this group in the room no i mean that's that's part of winning i mean you win a world series and until you're able to go out there and do it again you're going to be questioned about the last time um you know that's what people remember that's what people want and you know, especially this fan base, they don't want to wait another 108 years for a for another World Series. So, with this group that we have, you know, I feel like we've we've lived up to some expectations, and some we haven't. And you know, that's that's part of the game. That's part of life. And um, you know, I've, I, I, it, it's not anybody's fault that we continually go back to 16. I mean, that's what everybody remembers. And like I said, that's what we're all striving for. So, I feel like it's it's. They're, they're fair questions. They're fair things to talk about. Um, but I think as a clubhouse, we have to try to balance uh, the the 16 team, which it w- was so different and unique to the 19 team. And, you know, we have guys that are here that have never won, have never, you know, you know we got some guys that probably haven't been in the playoffs. Um, you know, so we got, we got guys that I think it's unfair to continually go back to that too. Um, but the guys that were here for 16, I mean, it's a fair question and it's and something that we have to answer and something we have to, uh, you know, try to repeat. And, 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 you know, our windows aren't exactly the longest or, or don't stay open the longest. So we have to try to maximize our window and, and hopefully we can do that. And then what happens to that conversation or that or that mindset when you get brand new guys like Castellanos or Rowan Wick or guys like you said who haven't been there that that maybe can eliminate or change some of that that thought process comparing yourself to the past, can it? Yeah, absolutely. And that now it becomes, you know, they're hungry for now. You know, they're they're tired of hearing about 16. They don't want, you know, 16 is irrelevant to them. Um 
So that, that's where, you know, for those guys, to be fair to them, we have to turn the page in the clubhouse and not talk about 16. Uh, now, at, be, with that being said, we understand that the media, the fans, the front office, everybody's going to continually go back to that, the guys that were here, and we have to answer those questions. But the guys that weren't, you know, we have to be fair to them and, and move on and, and try to do it in 19. We have to worry about 19, not, um, you know, not 16 uh, all the time. And like I said, it's an easy thing to go back to. Uh, you can always go back to when you won and, and talk about that. It's easy. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously hard to talk about the future and what you're trying to do. So, John, I have the perfect situation uh, for uh, keeping pitching strong and solid and mentally and physically focused at the end of the year. We've come up with a system uh, to allow pitchers to uh, go on furlough for four or seven days in August on and being able to be replaced on the roster going forward. It sounds like a fantasy, but in today's game, does that does that make any sense to you whatsoever? I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, I mean, unless somebody is, you know, kind of ailing or, or struggling or beat up or whatever, it, it's going to be hard to convince a pitcher to, to not take his turn. Um, you know, I, I feel like with our schedule, the way it's been, we've had – we, we've had some stretches where it's been tough, and then we've had some stretches where we've had a lot of off days, and we've been able to use that kind of that six-day, almost like a six-man rotation mm-hmm. without the sixth guy. So I feel like guys are are fine physically. Um, you know, we're all going to go through the ups and downs of the season. I talk about it all the time, the roller coaster of the season, and, and you have to try to minimize those, those downs as best you can. Um, and when you're able to do that, that's when you have good – good years personally and as a team um but you know i i don't know i i just i have a hard time just taking a break to take a break um you know i i guess i'm maybe programmed a little bit differently but i i just i i like to pitch i like to take my turn i take pride in in taking that turn and trying to pitch as many innings as i can and you know obviously in today's game you know the 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 innings and the third three times around and all that stuff is is limiting guys from throwing innings but I guess the next thing is just trying to take your turn and, and make those 30 to 34 starts a year and, and see what happens at the end. We don't want you to be late for your side session. Thanks for taking some time uh, out for us today. Uh, continued good luck. We'll see you out at the ballpark. Thanks, John. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. John Lester, right. the Chicago Cubs, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse, where you hear the greatest people in the game. You get the greatest information from Matt and I, and we're here for you 52 weeks out of the year from 9 to 11. We're going to take a short break, come back, talk some more Chicago ball before Rosie and Matt take you up to Cub Baseball. Zach Zaidman's pregame at 1245 today. This segment on Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by the Chicago Dogs. Baseball with everything. A couple of phone lines open at 312-644-6767 on 670 The Score. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. We have a few more minutes and we're going to... Talk to you, our great listeners, at 312-644-6767. After Inside the Clubhouse, Rosie and Matt give you their own special style of sports radio when it sucks the best. Uh, Thank you, sir. And and, uh, tomorrow morning from 9 o'clock until 1245, is that correct, Matt? Yeah, it is correct. uh, You will be hearing Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel as he talks about Lee Smith, he has Latroy Hawkins, a former Cub and now broadcaster in Minnesota, talking about uh, all things baseball, including uh, Smitty's career and 
Lots of other goodies. What else you got going tomorrow? Man? Yeah, uh, well, Lee Smith, here's what Latroy Hawkins uh, said about Lee Smith. You don't understand. I love Lee Smith. I grew up right outside Chicago and Gary. Sometimes I would have basketball practice, but I would see if he was pitching. And if he wasn't pitching, I would then go to practice. I mean, it, it, Latroy grew up idolizing Lee Smith. So that'll be a good guy to talk to about that. Uh, Tyler Kepner from the New York Times will join us to talk national. As always, Chris Kampka and, uh, and more. There's uh, other stuff uh, I'm working on for Hit and Run uh, tomorrow. But as you mentioned, let's take some phone calls, Bruce. This is Rick in Rogers Park on 670 The Score. What's up, Rick? Good morning. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yep. Uh, I just want to make a comment about Chris Bryant and, and get your opinion on maybe what they should do with him in the offseason. I mean, I do like him as a player, um, but, you know, I don't think it's any secret that he's still miffed uh, about the whole contract situation. And, you know, the Cubs are not going to be financially uh, able to to pay him and, and Rizzo and, and Baez and possibly Schwarber the money that they're all going to be asking for. So would you consider trading him at this point? Uh, when he still has a couple years left, and, and you know you could get quite a haul and start rebuilding your farm system. Uh, so, what do you think? I'll hang up and listen to your uh, response on that. Well, if it's um, November first and the Cubs have won another World Series, Matt, I think it all changes. But at the, from this perspective, right now, I don't think that there's an untouchable on the Chicago Cubs. I don't think that there's a player that they wouldn't listen about uh, to try to make their team now but more importantly, in the future, more viable past 2021. Why 2021? Because that is the year where Rizzo is a free agent, Bryant's a free agent, Baez is a free agent, Schwarber is a free agent. Contreras? Contreras. So from, Theo Epstein. So from, Theo Epstein, uh, the most important free agent. So from that perspective, um, I think it's their job. It's incumbent upon Epstein and Hoyer to listen on anybody that makes sense. And if you don't perceive you're going to sign a player uh, and it's two years away and you're building beyond 2021 for the future of this team and hmm. franchise, you're going to have to consider trading anybody. See, to, to me, if you're going to deal one of your core guys, it's as much about maximizing your window the next two years as anything. Like if you dealt a Bryant or a Contreras, which is the one that I think makes a little much more sense if you're going to deal one just to me personally, if you're going to deal one of those guys, you're going to want to reshape your roster and line up right now and give yourself a chance to win right now. And you could yeah. be able to do that, possibly. I think that Baez and Contreras are the most, uh, the guys that they have to keep the most. Because of the fact of their um, what they do at their positions, uh, the, the offensive side, production considering well, the defensive, their defensive, the defensive uh, improvement of Contreras, the way he shuts down the running game. If indeed you're talking about teams starting to use the running game more and bringing in those type of players, and the idea of what he means to the middle of that lineup. Uh, they were the team. They were the two guys that carried the team at the beginning of the year. Baez, whether he's hitting or not, and he has not been hitting at all the last three weeks, is still probably the most valuable player on that team position-wise because he's played as good a shortstop as anybody in baseball this year, if not better. He has been that important. He makes plays easily that other players would be falling down trying to make. And from the perspective of the catching position and shortstop position, I think those two guys are the most untradeable guys. That said, I'd listen to anybody at any time. 
This is Mike downtown on the score and inside the clubhouse. What do you say, Mike? Bruce, I think your conversation about Eloy and Cease really drives for the Sox fans an important concern. We now have a much better idea, and I think a lot of Sox fans are a little discouraged by just how long it takes to develop these young guys, assuming that uh, Cease and uh, Jimenez go the Moncada route. are, are the Sox prepared, have they thought this through, is the timing of development of these young kids uh, appropriately structured? I worry uh, about the fact that we're going to be losing, just at the time that the uh, ceases of the world start to become good, we're going to be losing the Giolitos, we're going to be losing the Mancadas. Uh, you're never going to get Robert to and Mancada to sign extensions like some of the other kids did because they've already got their money. Have the Sox thought this through? And the other thing that that worries a lot of Sox fans is Baseball America and a lot of other reports show the Sox have a t- no farm system at the, after these five guys. It's top heavy. Have the Sox thought long term planned this right. out? Well, they have money and uh, they can spend that money, and hopefully they'll do it well. That's the key: is uh, when you start going mad toward free agents and you start bringing them in. You lock yourself in for four, five, six years, and then, you know, if you're wrong, what happens to your plan? Oh, you, At that point, does your minor league system have anybody to bring up to replace them? Uh, I would say the one thing the White Sox have going for them, and you brought it up very succinctly earlier in the show, they sign their young guys, and they make it a priority early to get them signed. Epstein and Hoyer tried that with Rizzo. I mean, with uh, Bryant, they did it successfully with Rizzo, saving the organization probably $150 million mm-hmm. over the life of that contract. They tried it with Bryant. They tried it with Russell. When Russell was Russell, uh, it didn't work out. They're trying it with Baez and Contreras. That might be the key to the offseason about what type of commitments long-term they can get from their young players and how it fits in their budget. But certainly uh, the White Sox have... Uh, their window coming up here, and they'll probably sign some of their young guys pretty soon as well. Last call for fun with Chicago Dogs baseball tonight. Final fireworks extravaganza tomorrow at ball at Bark at the Ballpark, and then catch on the field on Monday. The Chicago Dogs baseball with everything. Tickets at thechicagodogs.com. We're done on Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce. People to thank John Lester, the Chicago Cubs. We thank. Uh, Tim Allen of the Brewers broadcast team on radio. We also thank our good friend and Hall of Famer, Lee Smith. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also write Cubs and Sox every day on our website, 670score.com. You and Rosie and fun times ahead. I will see you next week, Matt. Thank you, Bruce. He is Bruce Levine. Thank you, Zach Withers. Rosie is next on 670 The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.